This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Melanie, the girl who regularly touches up her gray hairs with a black Sharpie. And that right there is my friend Miranda, who one day spent over $400 on wind pouches. So again, beautiful, gorgeous day today. And as you know, we're members to our local zoo here in town. I love the zoo. I'm like... The zoo's amazing. And I'm like, for sure, we haven't been to the zoo because it's just now starting to get warm, you know, the springtime. So I'm like, let's go to the zoo, buddy. What do you think? And Brad was out of town today, so it was just going to be me and Fisher, and he was so down. So first of all, we're running a little bit late because, like, my rule to get to the zoo is let's get there at 9 o'clock when the gates open. Okay, so you're trying to get there at, at opening time. Correct. And and the beautiful thing about that, because you know how hot it gets here in the South, is if you get there right at opening time, your parking space is like the closest to the front and you don't have to walk a million miles through the scalding hot parking lot at like one o'clock at the peak heat of the day when you're done at the zoo. You can go in the morning. You can see everything. It's nice and cool. Some days we'll get lunch. Some days we don't. But the perfect thing is your car is right yeah, there. It sounds great. And I love that. I love having my car right there because the last thing you want to do after walking 20,000 steps at the zoo with a five-year-old is walk 20,000 more steps to your car through the parking lot in the scalding, scorching heat with a five-year-old who's whiny and burned out and ready to go home and take a nap. Anyway, we were running too late and we had to park really, 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 really super far away. So that was the first thing. And I'm like, oh my God, why are there so many people here at the zoo? And I'm just thinking to myself, I guess because this is like the first nice day that we've had because we've had a big band of storms and lots of storm action coming through. And today was just gorgeous. So I'm like, I guess everybody's just taking advantage of the weather. No, Melanie, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. There's an event. guess what it a was? A special event of some kind. Special event. It's the grand opening. They just renovated their whole reptile and aquarium oh, house. wow. And today was the grand opening. I want to come back now, though. Oh, my gosh. And it was incredible. Like, the renos are amazing. But we got there, and it was about 930 when we got there, mind you. 
zoo opens at nine. We had to park all the way in the desert land, the farthest away. And we go in and the line already at 930 to get into the reptile and aquarium exhibit is wrapped all the way around the zoo. Like it is the longest line you've ever seen in your entire life. I'm like, what is going on over here? So then I made this little plan, right? I'm like, okay, I'm seeing lots of strollers. I'm seeing lots of families. We're going to wait until peak lunchtime when all these MFers are like hungry Mm -hmm. and they scatter to the to the stands and the restaurants and stuff. And then we're going to do So you're going to catch it on the way out, on your way out. Exactly. We'll catch it on the way out. And then the other part of that is it's starting to heat up and get kind of hot. So I'm like, we'll be there indoors during like the hot part of the day. Well, I should have known every single other person who didn't go there first had my same exact plan. (laughs) But I will say like, it was really fun because I kind of just I mean, we didn't have anywhere else to be. We didn't have anything to do. You know, we're we're members of the zoo. So we go all the time. And I was kind of like, you know, I'm just gonna let Fisher kind of follow his heart today. And I'm just gonna be here, you know, so whatever he wanted to do, wherever he wanted to go, even if we were like running around in circles and like backtracking 1400 times, I was just cool with it. And I was trying to even practice like my little mindfulness exercises and kind of just be like, oh, this is such a wonderful moment with my son. And that was actually like really good. It was really fun. Okay, you did until, a good job. Until, until, I felt like that until, was until, there's always an until. And my until happened when we went into the petting zoo um, to go see the goats mm-hmm. and the chickens and everybody. And my allergies went ballistic. I'm talking my allergies went crazy and my eyes were like puffing up and swelling up and watering and like my nose is pouring, my throat is closing up and I'm just like, buddy, we have to get out of here. (laughs) And then of course, like we walk out and all I can see from that point is pollen because it is springtime and it is everywhere. Uh And I'm thinking to myself, I gave Fisher his allergy medicine, but I did not take any allergy medicine. And I definitely should have because there was fur and there was pollen and it was everywhere. And um, our only reprieve was um, getting some lunch, which took which took forever because there were a million hundred thousand people at the zoo. And then we had to stand in line for 30 minutes to get into the reptile exhibit. The, the funniest part, we I told Fisher, I said, we have to go stand in this really long line. And before we do, we are going to try to go potty because if we get in this line, we are not getting out of it. Like no matter what, it bud, no matter what, it. we're in. Exactly. I said, I said, if we get out of this line, then we're literally going to the potty and we're going home. So um, we're walking into the bathroom and there's this mom who has like four children and she's trying to herd them like cats. And then the mom like gave this whole speech to the kids in a very strict, stern tone right outside of the bathroom. And she is like, no one is going to veer away from me today. Oh, with the clenched, like, I I can see how your jaw is clenched. Oh, yeah. The whole like, oh, yeah. I am not opening mm-hmm. my mouth at yeah, all to say I'm familiar these words. with it. Yeah. Yes. And and what was so hilarious was she was talking with such an authoritative tone that Fisher was like, I guess, captivated. So he's like standing there listening to her. <laughs> did, he, did he join her children? <laughs> 
like he's gonna obey her. He's just like, like she put the fear in her children and she was putting it in Fisher too. He's like standing there like, yes, ma'am, I am not going to veer off or I will not get ice cream. I do understand. I've never met you before, but I'm with you. (laughs) It was so funny. But all in all, it was a really good day. He had a really fun time. The aquarium is amazing. So when you come to visit me, I can't wait to take you, you in know there I'll love it. Um, and, <laughs> and show you around. Yeah, it was so cool. But how was your day? How was okay. your day? What did well, you get into? It was pretty good. We went down and um, we visited with my parents. They're in town and beachfront and it was beautiful out today. Mm-hmm. That's how my head got so full of pollen, though, I'm sure. But... Oh, you too. (laughs) On the way back, we had to stop at Target just for a couple things. And, And I will admit that I will do almost anything in my power to not take my child with me to Target. I, I prefer 100%. to do a target run solo, as as most of us do, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but we only needed a couple things. The one thing, and this is sort of what led to insanity, with these kids these days, these post-COVID kids, they have to like take their own water bottles to school. That was not a thing that yeah. existed when I was in school. Like you, you couldn't take a water bottle bottle to I don't even think anybody yeah, you took just water drink out of the water anywhere. fountain like there's a drinking fountain right but they right okay. exactly so my child has this very nice newer water bottle that he got for Christmas because the straw on his old one got kind of funky so he got a new one yeah for they Christmas. get all gross in of there. course he took it apart and was playing with the rubber piece that is crucial to this water bottle not leaking all over well they have a student teacher and the student teacher thought he was just messing with like some little toy thing in class and told him to throw it out because they're not supposed to mess with stuff in class well he tried to say she made him throw it away he tried to say but that's gonna ruin my whole water bottle and apparently she was she was over it i mean obviously i wasn't there so Hmm. anyway he throws it out so now this water bottle is essentially a drippy a drippy it's it's just pouring water water out yeah this was the stopping mechanism gotcha so that was one of the things that we needed to get at target was a new water bottle for him to take to school well, you know how Target has multiple sections where there's water bottles? There's, like, water bottles in the kitchen yeah. section, and then there's water bottles mm-hmm. in the sports section. In the back, and... by the fitness stuff. Anyway, yeah. so we were in the sports section, and there was one that he kind of liked. And I was like, well, just car- we're going to carry it with us because, you know, we're going to pass right. the other section on our way out. We might find one we like right. more, yeah. Well, they're all really expensive. So, truthfully, I was looking for one that was cheaper. If I'm being honest. So <laughs> we it. get into the the second water bottle area within the Target. And we're not really seeing anything. Like they all cost kind of about the same. But I was going to get one that held a little more water than the one that we had picked out in the sports section. Yeah. Why do I turn to look at my child? And he has unclipped the cover and has oh, his gosh. lips on no no he knows better than that one would think oh my gosh that's well that's so out of character for him because listen it's not like he's a germaphobe but he's very hygienic it gets better so i look at him and i go jonah what are you doing you can't put your mouth on things in the store (laughs) 
I said, we oh. have to buy that one now. Like, it wouldn't be right for us to Ew. put that one back. He goes, well, I didn't know. You've never warned me specifically about that. And I said, Jonah, you should know not to put your mouth on things while we're in a store. We haven't bought that yet. Oh, my god! And he said, a child that can use the word specifically should Wait know for better. It. Wait for it. He goes, well, Mama, that's what childhood is for. So you can teach me all of these things. And then later in my life, I won't have to worry no. about them. No, he mm-hmm. did oh, not. Yeah. He did not. You just got schooled by your eight-year-old in the water bottle aisle at Target. Oh, my gosh. Who used the word specifically? (laughs) You know what I love, though, is it kind of actually ties in with my second happenstance. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So he got the water bottle. He's he's happy with it, I guess. Well, he's going to be. Okay, Miranda, so you said that my Target incident connects to our topic for today, but what is our parenting topic? Okay, I'm so excited. (laughs) Your Target story really did fit in. What we're going to talk about today is uh, we're going to begin a very first peek at collaborative parenting. Okay. All right. Collaborative parenting. So this is something we're going to look at, I think, a lot. Like, we'll revisit this specific parenting style or technique or methodology, I guess. But um, for today, we're going to kind of give the the first little bit of it to lay that foundation. And it's so spot on with what Jonah said in Target, because it really is like collaborative parenting is this sense of helping our children become productive and effective human beings and using childhood as the opportunity to learn all of the things they need to learn so that they can grow up and be successful amazing, wonderful adults and function in society. Apparently, my child has decided that that's the technique that I need to use. <laughs> well, and I, it's funny because when I when I read this book, and I'll, I'll talk about the book in a moment, I kept thinking about you and Jonah. Because one thing that I've always really liked about your parenting style is you've never really ever babied him. Oh. Not to say that you've treated him like an adult, but you've always just been real with him. And you've always kind of talked to him like an adult, like you explain things in an adult manner. You never do that, you know, because I said so thing, like you explain things out so that he can learn and that's going to pay off for him in the long yeah. run. So kudos And to I you. will admit, though, that that is just happenstance because that's how my brain works and I need to mm-hmm. have things spelled out. And as far mm-hmm. as when he was yeah. a baby, I always found baby talk to be incredibly annoying. So... My husband and I I always spoke to him like he was an adult human in a tiny baby body. (laughs) As a baby. That's right. Like, I remember one of the things, because Jonah's verbal skills, even as a very, very young child, were always, like, super impressive. And I remember I asked you about that. This was before Fisher was even born. And you were like, well, I don't talk baby talk to him. Like, I only call things what they are. Like, we don't say, do you want some Wawa? You say... Would you like some water? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and I think that really enhanced his his literacy skills and stuff. And so now you just need to work on getting him to not lick things in the store and you will be serious. My work is not done. 
We we still have a long way to go, the both of us. But let's dive into collaborative parenting and talk about this wonderful parenting technique. As you know, I, I try to do a lot of research along a spectrum of different parenting topics and styles and methodologies and things. And some of them I agree with and some of them I don't always necessarily agree with but I like to kind of present that wide spectrum and be pretty objective with that but I do want to disclose that I I am a fan personally of collaborative parenting I think it's just a really good way to work with your child and help them become an effective and successful adult Collaborative parenting was kind of brought about by Dr. Ross Green, and he has a wonderful book called Raising Human Beings. Highly recommend it. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. The whole point of this is how do we work with our children to help them grow up and be really successful people, you know, when they when they grow up and not successful, like by in terms of, oh, they make a lot of money or they're popular or famous or anything like that. But just how do they define success and how can we help them to kind of self-actualize to what they consider success? And I just have to comment real quick. Ross Green has such friends vibes to me that I can't let it go by without commenting. It's like a combination of Ross and Rachel. Ross Green. Oh, wow. Look at that. I did not even put that together. <laughs> you did it? You said that. I'm like, Ross Ge- no. Geller? No, Ross Green. Oh. I'm here for Maybe it. Let's go, happened. Ross. <laughs> Dr. Ross. That's awesome. <laughs> Dr. Ross. Yes, he's the man. Okay. So um, I, I want to mention here, first of all, that last week we talked about the stages of development from uh, John Piaget. And what I really want to highlight with collaborative parenting really happens in the formal operational stage, which is 11 and up. Okay. So it can happen earlier than that, but this is really where the sweet spot kind of is, is when you're working with your child to kind of develop their identity and become a problem solver on their own. So before we launch into this, I want to kind of highlight why it is so important to be a little more proactive in this area as parents, especially here in 2023. So, okay, funny story. When we were at the zoo today, Fisher, they have this little farm area set up. That's where my allergies started going crazy. And one of Fisher's favorite things to do is go into this little pretend chicken coop that they have set up and go through and gather the eggs. There's little eggs and you carry a little basket and you have to like find the eggs. It's like an egg hunt and you put them in the basket and then, you know, that's the game, I guess. I get it. Sounds and fun. So it's kind of fun. And as we're going through this process, I'm trying to kind of talk to him and say, there's actually a point to this. Like this is real like this is where eggs come from and you know a hundred years ago it would have been your job to go out to the chicken coop and gather the eggs and he's finding them and he's all excited and you know of course he's a little boy so he's like slam dunking them into the basket and I'm like buddy you have to be gentle because they're they could break you know and and so it, it just kind of dawned on me, especially after reading Dr. Green's book about how different kids are today than I imagined them being 100 years ago. Because oh, it's definitely. almost like they had to be adults by the time they were 10 years old. It's almost like they were already working. Yeah. Oh, well, they had to have like adult There's... level responsibilities at, at a very young age. Yeah. And we're like, it's so... It's so cushy in this era for most of us. Right. 
Right. It's like our kids are just sitting around watching TV all day. And it's like, oh, my gosh, 100 years ago or 50 years ago, even maybe you would have had like a paper route in the morning and you would have Mm -hmm. had to like ride your bike through the freezing cold and like give papers out to your neighbors at, you know, six o'clock in the morning if you were 10. And it's just so strange how kids have not necessarily like backslid, but they don't do those kinds of things because we don't we as parents don't always give them the opportunities to but I think there's a lot of really great things we can do to give them those opportunities to help them learn and like become successful again like I think about when I moved out of my house when I went to college and my mom was like okay we're gonna sit down we're gonna do a budget like you need to learn how to do this and I was you know 19 at the time and she like pulls up an excel spreadsheet and she's like okay here's your here's your expenses here's your income you need to be able to plan and do all this stuff and I had never seen anything like that before in my life but we sat down we did that fucking budget and I learned how to you know do a budget from that and it's like I feel like a lot of kids these days grow up and they're not prepared for the real world like they could be or maybe I would agree to that a hundred percent you know and in my role as part of my job I meet a lot of kids that are that age 19 20 21 they Mm -hmm. don't have a clue it's like they've never you know not and not all of them I'm not saying you know there are parents out there who are doing an excellent job preparing their kids but there's a whole portion of them that are just completely clueless and Mm -hmm. now I understand how you have such a good knowledge of Excel because it still blows my mind (laughs) yes thanks to my mom the accountant who taught me how to budget She also one time, and and this will kind of tie in too, one time I overdrew my account with my debit card and she made me go into the bank and apologize to the teller. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was like so hardcore, but I had to say, you know, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I was not, you know, keeping up. This was back in the day where you had like your check registry little checkbook in the back where you had to write all your stuff down. And I, my mom made me go in and apologize because obviously I didn't have any money and there was like a $50 withdrawal fee or something that she paid. And she's like, I'm not paying this unless you apologize. Wow, I love it. <laughs> and it, it taught me such a lesson. It taught me such a lesson. So I kind of gave Fisher an opportunity to do this because one day we checked out this book from the library and he was so excited. It was like a superhero book and he was just stoked and he was flipping through it really, really fast and he ripped the page like all the way down to the binding. And and I say one page. There were several pages that he tore. <laughs> this book okay. was basically <laughs> shredded. And it was one of those things where I think he had done it kind of mindlessly because he was so excited about it. Like he wasn't doing it maliciously. I think it was just excitement that he couldn't contain and he just tore all these pages. Looks like it got ran over by a lawnmower or something. But I made him do a little chore so he could earn some money. And then we carried the money to the librarian. And, you know, he said, I'm very sorry. I tore this book. And the librarian said, that's okay. Sometimes we all make mistakes. And um, she took the money and then let him keep the book. And we brought it home and we taped it up and did book surgery. It was a whole lesson. It was a whole lesson, right? Yeah, no, that's good, though. 
We have to let our kids experience some of those consequences from time to time. And that's really hard for us because we don't want to see them hurt. But then at the same time, we're not helping them learn unless we give them the opportunity to learn from those consequences. Just like Jonah may have liked the other water bottle more, but because you put your mouth on this one, this is the one we're getting now. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's the consequence. No, that's exactly what I said. I'm like, well, we're buying that one now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the way it goes sometimes. Okay. So what I want to focus in on today is um, a, a really a theme and the foundation for collaborative parenting and where this comes from. And what it is based on is this idea of an identity achievement. We really want to help our children achieve their identity and to feel confident in who they are, whether they are 100% the way that we want them to be or not. What's important is that they are their own responsible, functional human being, and they have all their own cool talents and interests and quirks and characteristics and all the things that we love about them that sometimes get on our nerves, but they are who they are. You know what I mean? So I'm going to reference another article here. Um, This is from Lumen Learning. I'll put it in the show notes. But really, it was psychologist James Marcia who had this uh, framework for identity achievement. And it's really referenced a lot in Raising Human Beings. So I'm going to give you this framework and we're going to walk through it together. It's going to be so much fun and you're going to love it. I promise. I want you to picture um, a little box grid, like a XY axis with like four little boxes in there. You got it? Okay. Got it. It's great, right? Okay. So on your X axis, you have commitment. So commitment to a particular identity. Okay. Commitment to something that is a part of you that you really like, you know. And then on your Y axis, I want you to picture exploration. Okay. So kind of the freedom and the ability to explore a lot of different identities and experiment with a lot of different things, which can be really good. Just to be clear, the X is the bottom and the Y is the side. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done this. You know, Y equals MX plus B and slopes Mm -hmm. and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to walk through four different, the four different boxes here. And I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, spoiler alert, three of them are not great. So so we want to identify the ones that are not great so we can recognize the signs and symptoms there and work towards the fourth one, which is the really good one. Okay. Okay. All right, so we are going to start with the box that is at the top of the y-axis and like the bottom of the x-axis. So this is high exploration, low commitment. High exploration, low commitment. This is called identity moratorium. And this is this is really where we experiment a lot with uh, different identities, but we're willing to kind of let them go and fall away if we're learning from consequences and we're learning, oh, I don't really like the way that that worked out for me, so let me make a change. This happens so often in middle school and high school. I was just going to say, it sounds like middle school and high school to me. Like you're just trying it out. You're not really you're not really committed to it. You're just trying it out. The problem is when identity moratorium lingers around for too long, like even into like adulthood. Yeah. And then you are kind of at this place where you're not really anchored 
in anything. Gotcha. Um, just kind of floating. Just kind of floating. Maybe maybe you're in college and you can't decide a major and you're changing majors all the time. Yeah, um, that happens. It happens. And, you know, maybe you're in your 20s and you're changing jobs all the time and you're just like, you know, being tossed in the waves of the world and you don't really have a good footing or a good grounding in, in who you are. Maybe you're changing relationships and significant others because you're not committed fully to you know, to who you need to be just yet. So again, this is really beautiful when it happens at that formal operational stage. But by the time you're like 20, we want to see you kind of locking in. That's a good thing if you're kind of locking in. So that's identity moratorium, high exploration, low commitment. The the We're going to go down. So the box just below that is low exploration, low commitment. And this one is kind of the danger zone. This is called identity diffusion. So this is someone who's not really exploring or committing. And what we see there, James Marcia pointed out, this is where a lot of like depression can happen. Yeah, I was just going to say it sounds like not a lot of anything is happening. Right, right. And and people that kind of fall into this category can be really susceptible to like falling in with the wrong crowd. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and like maybe doing drugs or being involved in crimes or maybe being like sexually promiscuous and not safe. Um, we could see a lot of trouble there and and that's a problem. And so, so one thing I'll say is like, you know, if you have a child, especially again, think about your middle school or high school schooler, if you're not seeing them explore or commit to anything, and and especially 100% if there are signs of like self-harm or involvement with, you know, falling in with the wrong crowd or anything like that, we probably need to involve a professional at that point, you know? Yes, we We that need makes some sense. help. Yeah. Because this is somebody who's like not really excited about anything, not really grounded in anything and not really trying anything out. Like there's nothing that's really getting them excited about life. And that's kind of that's that could be a problem. Okay, we're going to slide over to the right. This is low exploration, high commitment, and it is called identity foreclosure. Okay. Now, when I think about foreclosure, I think about something like closing up, you know, just kind of shutting up shop kind of thing. It doesn't really have a positive connotation to it, the word foreclosure. It really doesn't. It sounds like maybe you're kind of giving up, like you you can't do anything. So with identity foreclosure, what we see there is a really, really strong commitment to a particular identity. But you haven't really had the freedom or the space to explore other identities that may be more suitable for you. And I think this one is really culturally dependent, especially if you think about collectivist cultures. Uh, I think about um, Asian cultures, Indian cultures, even in a lot of cases, Hispanic and Latinx cultures. Sometimes young adults in those cultures feel pressured to like go into a particular line of work or marry a particular person or whatever, just because of the pressure from their immediate family or their society in general. I would even add like super religious um, folks, like folks that are raised Mm. in like a very 
religious community, I feel like a lot of times those kids are just pigeonholed into this is what you're going to do. Yeah, like this is what you have to believe and, you know, not really allowing the freedom or the space to like explore other religions or other, you know, things that may be a spiritual interest. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. It sounds like you're already there, but you're not... You know, it's not even who knows if that's even what you want because you haven't had a chance to explore. Right. It's like somebody put that identity on you and you just had to accept it whether you liked it or not. So that one's not super great. We're not a a big fan there. But again, I recognize that that happens in a lot of places other than the United States and of course in the United States as well. Okay, so those are the three that are not great. Identity moratorium, identity diffusion, and identity foreclosure. Now I'm going to tell you the happy one that we want to get to. This is the one we're looking for. Yes, this is the goal. Okay. This is what we want. And it's identity achievement. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that even, that sounds good. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds happy. We achieved our identity. And again, so it's kind of like we're on that path of, of self-actualization, but we've had the time and space to maximize the the benefits of explore, exploring a lot, but we've also had the benefits of committing to a lot of things, and we feel really grounded and solid and sure of who we are. And James Marsha says, you know, this is someone who is heavily explored, but reliably committed. They have a strong sense of self and a strong sense of their life's purpose. And isn't that awesome? That is awesome. So and and that's the only quadrant where what they're doing is their own idea and they're like into it. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're good at it and they're successful and they're, you know, committed, but they've also had an opportunity to try a lot of things on. And I think trying a lot of those things on and experiencing some of the consequences of that helps them to become more reliably committed and ultimately, you know, a, a more functional person in the world, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So that's what we're going for. Identity yeah. achievement. Right, right. So don't get, you know, so hung up on, oh, my kid is like doing all these different things and exploring all this different stuff and listening to all this crazy music and all this. Let them explore. It's going to help them solidify who they are. It's going to help them to find out what they truly like, what they truly value. Don't try to force your values on them, per se. Um, There's certain things that, of course, we want our child to do, and there's going to be rules and expectations and standards, of course, 100%. But when it comes to their identity, you know, let them, again, they heavily explore and reliably commit to really who they are. And when you do that effectively, that's kind of laying the groundwork of collaborative parenting. You're respecting your child enough to work with you to learn what they need to learn in childhood so they can grow up and not make those mistakes as an adult. You know, you don't want to see your 30-year-old son drinking out of the water bottles at Target. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. So so oh. identity achievement is goals. Yes, 100%. And Jonah just had to explore all those other water bottles before he could lock in and commit to one, okay? <laughs> to be clear, he only put his mouth on one. <laughs> I love it. And that was the one he was committed to. But again, the key there is, you know, having those consequences in place and giving your child the opportunity to really lock in and commit to that identity. We're going to get in a lot more to um, collaborative parenting because there's a lot there. But again, this was such a good uh, overview and foundation for us. And I was excited to talk to you about it today. 
Yeah, no, it's awesome. It sounds like uh, really good information for all of us to have in the back of our minds when we're trying to get these kids grown up. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not always easy to do. So, Melanie, what is our medical topic of the week, our medical mystery? I know that you're going to be really excited about this one. We're going to talk about worms. Worms! Not earthworms. Oh, boy. Worms that can affect us as humans. Oh, great. I don't know if I'm excited about this or not. Well, suit (laughs) up, because here we go. Oh, worms. Squirmy wormies. Now, listen, I know that it sounds like an odd topic, but I do think that it's an important thing for us to touch on because we're just going to cover three today, only three, and there's there's many, many, many types of worms. Um, oh, don't tell but me But we're going to touch on three of them, and I just think it's important information for us all to have. You know, we are humans here living in this world, and there are things all around us that I feel like we should know about uh, that a lot mm-hmm. of us don't ever Probably. talk about, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes I don't want to know about those things, Melody. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You need to. Okay. It's not, I'm not calling it a trigger warning. I'm I'm calling it a get your head on straight. It'll be okay. These things exist in our world. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Tell me about the worms. Bring it on. Firstly, I am going to talk about hookworm. Hookworm. And a hookworm is actually an intestinal parasite Ew. in humans. Um, the larva and adult worms live in the small intestines and can cause some pretty big issues in there. Ew. This worm is not that common around here in, or in the U.S. in general these days. But in prior generations to us, it has been a problem. And... I don't I don't think I mentioned this to you, but I have a coworker who he's a generation or so older than me. And when he was growing up, he said it was, you know, they all were afraid of worms. They what? they would Yeah. Yeah. Here? And and he grew up in this area in the in the south. In the south. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And wow. I believe that it was hookworms. So you're going to want to know why how does a person get a hookworm? I yeah, I want to know cuz I don't yeah. want to get one. Well, what happens is the hookworm eggs, because Uh it lives within your intestinal tract, the hookworm eggs are passed out in the feces of a human. Ew, okay. So the eggs come out in the poop, which is gross, Mm -hmm. I agree, Mm -hmm. and then they are deposited in, like, the soil, so the danger is anywhere that Mm -hmm. human feces are on the ground, because when they hatch, then the little hookworm larvae are in the soil, so if you walk barefoot, they can penetrate your skin, and then somehow, I believe through the bloodstream, end up in your intestinal tract and that's kind of the life cycle oh wow so okay let me think about that so somehow or other there are worms in my intestinal tract i am pooping out the eggs of the worm the poop goes in the ground the eggs hatch the worms are in the ground I'm just walking around like my hippy-dippy self with no shoes on, and those hookworms are getting in my feet and getting back into my body. 
Well, it's important to understand it's not the full-size hookworm. It's the larva. So, like, the egg hatches, and it's the larva, which obviously has, like, a hook-type element to it. And then it gets in your hippy-dippy foot, then it's in your body, and it ends up... Wow. In your intestinal Okay, can we just put a warning out there for all of our hippy-dippy gypsies that are wandering around in the woods barefoot, pooping in the woods? I love y'all and y'all my people, but maybe wear some flip-flops. Yes. Flip-flops are a good idea. Okay. That's good. Flip-flops are a good idea. Problem solved. Well, I mean, honestly, the the better idea would be to not have areas where there's human feces that ends up, like, on the soil. (laughs) I guess that's true. Maybe don't poop on the ground. I mean, unless you really, really have to go. Because we've all been there. (laughs) Well, in all reality, I think that this really becomes a problem in areas where they don't have the structure or the economic means to have safe, healthy sanitation. So a lot of like third world countries or impoverished areas, that's where these are the bigger problem. Um, What kind of problems does it lead to? I mean, you know, obviously you have hookworms in your digestive tract. Yeah. What it ends up doing is it takes away nutrition from the person and can actually lead to anemia because there's some bleeding involved because these worms are around in there. So the worms are getting the nutrition basically instead of you. So like whatever vitamins, nutrients, minerals that you need. A lot of it, yes. They're basically a parasite and they're getting that instead of you. A hundred percent. Wow. And then there's some bleeding involved, which leads to the anemia. Because obviously there Mm. aren't supposed to be worms in your digestive tract. No, we don't want that. We don't want that, guys. So the good news about this type of worm, about hookworms, is that the treatment is really simple and really cost effective. And we're going to put a pen in that and come back to that when we get to our spotlight. I'll talk about that okay. a little bit more. Okay. Like so it. Like don't it. worry about hookworms so much in your day-to-day life. But no, internationally, it is a concern. Gotcha. gotcha. I'll put it that way. Okay. Good to know. Second worm. Second you worm. Ready? Worm number two. Worm number two. Ringworm. Ringworm. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I have heard of it. I dated a guy in high school, and he always had ringworm because he was a wrestler. <laughs> and, yeah, he was he was a wrestler, and he would get ringworm like three times a year. And then it was like he didn't want to take me out on a date or touch me because he had ringworm. Supposedly. I don't know. Maybe I just grossed him I out mean, really bad. <laughs> I feel like better safe than sorry. Yeah, maybe. But firstly, I have to say... Ringworm is actually not a worm. Huh? I included it in this episode because everybody thinks it's a worm. I thought it was a worm. Because obviously it's called ringworm. I thought it was a little worm that was like shaped in a ring and it was like under your skin. Like a little ring. What it is, in fact, is a skin infection that's caused by a fungi. What? Yeah. A fungus? It's caused by a fungi that lives on the dead tissues in your skin, hair, or nails. Dead tissue. Ew. Ew. Exfoliate that shit. Exfoliate. Get dry brushing. Dry brush. Get a loofah. Get a loofah. 
Well, once it's there, you have to treat it. You can't just loofah your arm skin off. Oh, my gosh. Wait, uh, hold on, though. Because I always thought ringworm was a worm. No, nope, not, a, not worm. a worm. It's not a fungus. Worm. It's, a, it's a fungus among us. Yes. Technically speaking, it's an infection that's caused by a fungus. But Ew. yeah, essentially okay. it's mold. It's like skin mold. Ew, that's so gross. It's mold. It is gross. But hold Ew. on. Let me tell you oh my a gosh. couple other fun facts that I learned about. I it. had a moldy boyfriend. You did. I will say, though, he was a pretty fun guy, if you know what I mean. Oh, I knew you were going to do it. No, I apologize, listeners. Okay. <laughs> okay, tell me more. Tell me more. Miranda. I'm sorry. What do you suppose ringworm is called if it's between your toes? Toe jam. Toe jam. That's what you no. call it. No. If ringworm is located on your feet or between your toes, it's called athlete's foot. Shut up. It's the same no, thing. No way. Athlete's yeah. foot? Athlete's, athlete's foot. foot. It's ringworm. Yeah. Ew. This one's even more fun. What do you suppose it's called if it's located in or around your groin area? The groin area. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Jock itch. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Jock. That is so gross. <laughs> I mean, oh it gosh. is. But you hear like commercials what? for it, you know? For it's like jock a itch. jock itch. It's a f- athlete's foot ringworm. Oh all the same thing. Oh my gosh. All the same thing. Ew. 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 Okay. Gross. Uh, okay. So, just as the name indicates, it is typically, you can tell that you have ringworm. Because there is a red scaly patch or bump on your skin that itches, and it's often in a ring or circle shape. That's where the name came from. Yes. Okay. So it it starts out as like a small bump or a sore, but then it will turn into like a flaky, scaly, gross spot. And it spreads a lot. So Mm. back to your wrestler boyfriend, it's really actually very good that he wasn't touching you because it is highly contagious. Mm. So it it spreads from skin to skin contact. So if somebody has ringworm and they touch your skin with their ringworm skin, (laughs) or I suppose with their jacket skin or their athlete's foot skin, you can get it. Playing footsie over there. Gross. Footsie might get real itchy if you're not careful. So another place that people often get it is from pets. Cats are known to carry ringworm. Really? Especially like the feral the feral outdoor type cats or like cats that are wild. Okay. They so they say always make sure that you wash your hands if you touch cats that are like not your own house cats cuz mm. yeah. Also common in cows. I don't know. Cows. I doubt we have any listeners that have much to do with cows, but you never know. Cows. So be careful. Your cows could be carrying. Wow. Now, the other way you can cats get it, uh, person to person, it's skin to skin contact from people. It's it's carried by pets. And then it can also come from touching objects, I would guess, by like wrestling mats. That's my yes, guess. Yes. That's what he told me. He said it would get on the mats and then they would all get it. Like if it was on, like if one person had it and they were on the mat, everybody's getting it. 
It can linger on surfaces, including clothes and towels, hairbrushes, combs on floors. Oh, my gosh. So another reason to wear flip flops. If you're in like locker room or campground showers, that's what I always picture in my mind. Yeah. Campground showers. Yeah. That's like. Wear your flip flops. It's like a ringworm's paradise in there. It is. It really is. <laughs> Living in a ringworm paradise. On the floor or the wrestling mat <laughs> or the communal shower. Ew. Ugh. That makes sense, though, because you always see the signs up at the campgrounds. is like, wear flip-flops in the shower. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of risky out there. Ew. It, it sure is. Okay. Now, in most cases, over-the-counter tre- treatments will get rid of ringworm. So it's usually creams, but like I always think of, uh, there's that like tough actin, tenactin. That's like an <laughs> athlete's foot spray. I've I never mean, I guess it's all that. for the same thing, but like they've branded it for all different things. I've but... never heard of that. Now, in more severe cases, and Miranda and I have a mutual friend who adopted a cat out of the goodness of her heart, and it came from like a rescue. And that cat had ringworm, and it gave ringworm to the cat they already had, the dog they had, to her, her son, her daughter. The only person in the house that didn't get it was her husband. Oh, my gosh. But see, okay, so I remember that happening, but I thought it was a worm. Like, I thought the whole time it, it was, no, like, worms. It's not a worm. <laughs> Oh my, it was a fungus the whole time. It's a fungus. It's oh a fungus. My yeah. Gosh. And no, that's what they that's what they all ended up having to take. They had to take oh, antifungal wow. medications, which That's crazy. And use the creams and stuff like you were saying? Well, creams, but it's like once you have it that it's everywhere, like you have to take like an oral antifungal. Wow. And then when you're in that process, because it stays on surfaces. Mm-hmm. So like say you adopt a cat, which we know you're not gonna do that, but just say you did. Yeah. And it had it had ringworm and you got ringworm and Fisher got ringworm. Yeah. And you were all being treated for ringworm. Yeah. Well, it stays alive on surfaces. So while you're in this treatment process, uh-huh. you have to wash every bit of bedding every day. No. Because if you if it gets on the bed, then it touches you, then you it's like you would just what? keep reinfecting yourself. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Wow. So I feel like this is a really important one for people to know about. Like, it's no joke. So the best ways to avoid it, we talked about flip-flops. Avoid contact with contaminated things, pets, people, just basically boyfriends, (laughs) wrestling boyfriends. (laughs) Wrestling boyfriends. Okay. Are you ready for our third and final worm for today's episode? third worm, worm number three. The third worm uh-huh. I knew very little about until uh-huh. I started doing this yeah. research. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The third worm is called a pinworm. Oh, God. <laughs> you did not pick. What? Why are you laughing? Because you're giving me PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave it up to you whether you talk about that in a minute, but I am going to start off by telling folks what a pinworm no. is. This is so bad, y'all. This is so bad. Penworms are tiny worms that cause an infection in our intestines. 
They are infections that affect millions of people each year, apparently often school-age children. Mm-hmm. Now, symptoms of a pinworm. <laughs> I'm not even going to apologize because I think this is good content. You had to do it. You had to do it. The main symptom of penworms is itching around one's anus, especially at night. Oh, my God. (laughs) Trouble sleeping. Sore, red, infected anal skin. I mean, that's a significant (laughs) symptom. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. It sounds like it's very serious. Penworms are tiny white worms about the size of a piece of thread. And they can irritate all kinds of situations. Now, Miranda, I'm leaving it up to you if you want to tell us why penworms give you PTSD. You want me to tell you now? I think I do. I I definitely do. Well, you had to bring this one up. And I had a feeling you were going to when you told me the topic was worms. Oh, my God. Okay. So here's the crazy story, listeners. And I will say, first of all, pinworms are super, super common, especially if you have kids. So I'm glad that Melanie is educating about this topic. And to be honest with you, my choosing it had nothing to do with you. I just felt like it was a very relevant topic because it affects so many kids. Yeah. And like, if you're a mom, this is something you need to know. And I wish somebody had told me. Okay. So but the fun fact for me, my experience with pinworms was pre-Fisher. This was before I had Fisher. Um, in fact, I was a wee lass. I was, I was a newlywed. And let's just say, I mean, I think me and Brad had been married for like maybe three months, maybe four months. Like it was early in our marriage. And And listeners, they were very (laughs) young when they got married. We were. We were like 22, 23. We were early, early 20s. (laughs) There were like a couple of nights where I was not getting any sleep at all all and I was just like what in the world is going on like I have never had anything (laughs) so the symptoms that Melanie is describing chiefly a particular kind of itching um, was certainly keeping me awake at night and it was very disturbing and I finally mustered up the courage to tell my new my new husband that I was experiencing these symptoms and when I did he had this pregnant sigh of relief and he was like oh my god me too (laughs) and I'm like what is wrong with us like what is going on we were just very confused about the whole thing but fortunately one of our good friends was a physician's assistant so I called her up and this was like the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my entire life (laughs) and I'm like so Brad and I are having this problem and we're not really sure what's going on with this (laughs) I'm just glad it was a friend and not some doctor that you don't know. Like, it feels like that would be less awkward to have a a friend. Well, fortunately, she knew, like, exactly, like, what questions to ask. And she's like, does it get worse at night? And I'm like, actually, yeah, it does get worse at night. She told me probably what was going on. And she said, you know, there's this very common intestinal worm called pinworms. This is what it is, blah, blah, blah. And so... Anyway, I don't I'm sure you'll talk about the life cycle of the pinworm because you talked yes, about the I, others. I am. Anyway, 
she she recommended that we go get some medicine and we did it's just like over the counter medicine i think it's called reese's pinworm something or whatever it's like banana flavored in this little bottle and you <laughs> just chug it and so anyway she told us what to get we got it we were good we were good after that the the puzzler came in because she was telling us like well this is really common like families get this when they have kids and she told us about like all the things i'm sure you're going to tell us about we are like scratching our heads cuz we're like well we don't have kids. We haven't been around any kids. Like, where is this coming from? Then we learned about the life cycle and it takes, I guess, like a month for the worms to incubate. Well, so we're like tracing back and I'm looking at my planner and I'm like, the only thing I can think is we went on this trip, you know, round about a month ago and on our way out of town, we stopped at this grocery store and we picked up those like grab and go sushi things Mm. that had Mm -hmm. sushi. And it turns out that I guess pinworms are like a kind of nematode or nematodes are a kind of pinworm, something like that. Anyway, we got some bad sushi and we had a bad experience about a month later. So be careful out there, listeners, because even if you don't have kids, if you are a sushi eater, you may run into this from time to time. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I am going to speak to those things a little bit. Pinworms are very contagious And they are actually transmitted through what is called the fecal-oral route. So what happens is they are within your digestive system. They get in there and they hatch the eggs. The eggs are what gets into your digestive system and they hatch. And about one to two months later Mm. is when the female penworms lay eggs And that's what's itching because they actually like (laughs) crawl out and lay their eggs on the skin around your butthole at night while you're asleep, which is very clearly very itchy. It's so, so so gross. (laughs) So then what happens and like picture a child. Don't picture Miranda, but picture a child. So they have that going on down there Uh and they itch it. And then that those eggs, because they're teeny, tiny, 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 teeny eggs. You can't see them. They take, then it's on their fingers. Ew. And they touch things. And then other people touch things. And that's yeah. where they come from. Yeah, and they so, get in your mouth. It can actually be transmitted through clothing, in bathroom surfaces, kitchen surfaces, desks, lunch tables at school, toys, like, think a daycare, like... It's like a breeding ground for pinworms. Yikes! Oh, my gosh. (laughs) There's a a test to to make it so that you can know (laughs) if it's pinworms. Um, If you or your child has has an itchy butt whole area what you do is you take a piece of scotch tape (laughs) and you put it right there right right down there right get it right in right down there and um (laughs) then in the morning if you take the tape off they'll actually be stuck to it oh which i'm sorry it's really gross it is but y'all need to know about this so common like it's so prevalent it's so prevalent and i'll say after mine and Brad's experience, which again, we were like 23 when this happened to us and we were, it was terrible. It was like the worst thing ever. Fisher, when he was maybe three years old, 
I'm like putting him to bed one night and he tells me, mama, my bottom's itchy. And I'm like, no. (laughs) And and I told Brad, I said, go to the store and buy the Reese's. And I don't mean the peanut butter cups. Come home with the banana bottle pinworm meds because it is good for the whole family. And they say you should all take it. And so he went out to to the drugstore like right then and there. And I'm washing Fisher's PJs and all his bedding and everything. And we are all taking the Reese's pinworm medicine. Well, knowing that's perfect that you did that because that's actually the recommendation. Yes. Um, You know, there is the -the over-the-counter that you've mentioned. They do make prescription strength as well, but it is so contagious that when someone has it, usually a doctor recommends treating the entire family. Oh, yeah. And then also because of the length of their life cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, there's that one to two months before they even are grown, then they say often suggest that you do the treatment again in two weeks. Just oh, wow. to make sure. Just to be on the safe side. I will tell you, you you will not make that mistake twice, listeners. So <laughs> just know what you need to do because it is, it's so common. I'm I mean, I'm really glad you brought this one up actually, even though it definitely gave me PTSD. I'm sorry. I know that it's gross, but I felt like it was really valuable information. So that is from us here at Motherhood Mayhem and Medical Mysteries. Mm -hmm. It's no longer a medical mystery if your butthole itches at night. It's pinworms. (laughs) It's just pinworms. (laughs) Melanie, what is our spotlight today after this crazy journey you have taken us on with your medical mystery. Okay, well, our spotlight gives listeners a way that they can actually help some kids in the world. It is a charity by Evidence Action, and the charity is called Deworm the World. So this largely applies to worms that are very similar to the hookworm that was our worm number one in today's episode. And what deworm the world does is they they provide mass drug administration more than 835 million children are at risk for parasitic worm infections in the world oh and most of these are in sub-saharan africa so what they do um and what they have been able to do they have delivered over 1.5 billion treatments since 2014 Oh my God. And the treatment for those is like a preventative type of treatment. It actually costs less than 50 cents per treatment. But in these areas, without the help of charities like this one, it's not available to them. Mm. Their website is evidenceaction.org backslash deworm the world. And it sounds like a really good cause. It's such a simple treatment. It just isn't yeah. available to many um, children, yeah. especially. It sounds like a really cost-effective way to make a big, big difference. Absolutely. Awesome. Because what happens is the kids that get these worms, then, you know, nutrition is already a challenge in, in many of these areas of the world. And yeah, then they have a parasitic right. worm living in them. And, Good you know, grief. so it causes yeah. issues with cognition and learning and physical health. Mm-hmm. So, again, that is Deworm the World by Evidence Action. And we will put their info in our show notes as well as all of our social media information as well. Absolutely. Y'all check it out. See what you can do to help. 
If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at mothermayhempodcast at gmail.com.